Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Max! Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello. Hello. And welcome, and adjusting levels, welcome to Season 24, Episode 16 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. And I'm Tappy. And uh, in this episode, Corbin Trois writes in about players intentionally failing dice rolls. Joe Crack writes in about player versus character knowledge, which I think we talked about last week or the week before. Mm-hmm. And then Stephen Socal discusses playing otherworldly beings. Which is apropos, because I'm going to be running Call of Cthulhu in two days. Are you? Two days. Two days. <laughs> Wait, running otherworldly beings or playing otherworldly beings? He, I think he said running. I think both. Mm. Oh, no, he says playing. Cool. We'll have to find out. Mm-hmm. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We have social media. So first off, we have our social media. Yeah. Social medium. No. <laughs> Happy Talk Jack's spirits. Happy Jack's forum.com. Yes. Happy Jack's forum.com. Yes. And then Twitter, Happy Jack's RPG, all one word. And Instagram, Happy Jack's RPG, all one word. And Facebook, Happy Jack's RPG, all one word. And MeWe, Happy Jack's RPG, all one word. And I posted twice on there today. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I haven't posted in like three weeks. Yeah, he doesn't. He does not post on it. Like, just to be clear, <laughs> do not waste your social media time there. There are people coming. Or you could. Or you could. If, if you, you had want. some to spare. Yeah. <coughs> if you want to wait every four weeks for one post. No, it hasn't been four weeks. It's been three. Three, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know like how Mayway works, but they could, like, talk to each other <laughs> and stuff. Mewians. <laughs> That's the best part about it, is the name. Mewee! <laughs> <laughs> Really, uh, Omar isn't like he just like saying it. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, and if you like to watch the show live, you can watch it at happyjacks.org/live. And we do it at five or seven p.m. ish Pacific time um, until no, no what P- Pacific daylight time right now. Oh God! And uh, there you go. And uh, we have a game convention coming up um, Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, JackerCon is still going on right now. JackerCon is still going on yep. right now. Yep, until. What day is it? I think till tomorrow or Sunday. This weekend is the end. The it's been going on for a week. come out tomorrow. And I think we had 11 different games. Oh, cool. So it's Excellent. Yeah. So it's, it's on an uptick. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Very exciting. So next time we'll have even more. Yes. Um, intentionally failing dice rolls from Corbin Trois. Good evening, Jackers. It's been a minute, but I, the great illustrious Corbin Trois, am back. And I have a question, but first, have a drink. Dungeon now, should I have beer or wine? Uh, beer. Beer. Por qué no los dos? Mm-hmm. I just have to say, two of my band members right now are in the UK, and every picture they send is them drinking nothing but Guinness. And I told them... What? I told them, God is my witness, if you go through England and Scotland and Ireland... And don't try any beers besides Guinness. I will personally slap you when you get back here. Because especially in London, they have the real ale movement in the pubs. And some of that stuff is shockingly amazing. Mm -hmm. I feel like if they don't post it, then it doesn't matter if they did anyway. There's no proof of it, so you can still slap them. I will slap them. (laughs) (laughs) Now, they've 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 been drinking some scotch. Well, but that's not... But but it's like... Scotch is great, but you specifically said beers of the yes. beers. Well, and and also like 
there are like very specific like uh, regional things. Yes. Like if you're traveling through, yeah. it's like, oh well, I'm in the north of <coughs> England. There are different beers here than in the south. Yes. Right, I could see Ireland. You want to have you want to have Guinness or not? Yes, that's fine. Yeah. But why? What? Why in Bath? Why in London? Why in Scotland? Because they're dumb. I mean, if you like it, that's great, but you're missing so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, uh, if I first have a drink, it's been a long day, and I'm sure you, you've done something to deserve it. Yes. Maybe. And, maybe. Uh, uh, for context, I'm currently playing in a homebrew game based off of the old Street Fighter RPG. Oh, nice. my God. <laughs> that is oh, so good. Just to play finish that. him. Is we that, the one? Is that yeah. Street Fighter? No, no, no. Yeah. That is That's, uh, Mortal, Kombat. Mortal Kombat. That's another button mash. But, yeah, yeah. no, we, we totally played at the game store. We played some Street Fighter where we had just, like... Since we were all there all the time, we just like one person was a matchmaker, and he just make matches between us. <coughs> That's fun. There was a uh, Avalon Hill game called Wrestling, <laughs> and it was it was the professional wrestling game, mm-hmm. and it, it had like pre made characters, and you had special moves on them, and it was a fun game. We used to play that. We would like we'd get like eight of us and organize a, a tournament, and then we started making our own characters and trying to use. To figure out what the game balance was on the pre-existing characters to make our own. It was mm-hmm. so much fun. That's awesome. Um, street, uh, street Fighter. Uh, yeah, I know. But it works despite itself. Uh, adjusting levels still. Uh, all the characters are high schoolers on the school tournament combat team. And as is par for the course in RPGs, we eventually got caught up in some end-of-the-world bullshit. <laughs> After a hard-fought and barely won fight with a street gang responsible for the deaths of thousands only weeks prior, my character, a 17-year-old hothead French exchange student... <laughs> ha, ha, ha! Oui, 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 monsieur! <laughs> Lucky Pierre! Uh, had a moment alone with a very unconscious leader of the gang. The following is a very abridged retelling of the discussion between me and the GM. Me. I'm going to take his head and just hold it underwater for a minute. Maybe three. Okay. Make a composure roll to see if you actually kill him. Um, this guy is literally single-handedly responsible for killing thousands of people, like friends and family we knew. This would actually solve a lot of problems going on right now. Can I just fail that roll? Oh. GM. Nope. Make the check. I succeeded, and the gang leader went on, went to the hospital, and then to jail. Now the GM is pretty good overall, but this decision kind of stuck in my craw. My character has a long and storied history of impulsive violence, and I thought it would be an interesting direction to take her. Um, maybe even lead to an arc where she learns to rein in, rein her shit in after going way too far. Also, he's just he, he's just started making it a thing. Okay, make X check, and no, you cannot choose to fail it. Hmm. So after that, my question is this. What are your views on voluntarily, voluntarily failing skill checks or their, their equivalent to stay true to character, motivations, and all that. Take another drink and discuss, as only you jacks can, cordially, Corbin Trois. P.S. I know I'm asking Stu, creative moment of truth, about whether you should allow players to fail roles on purpose, the irony, or whatever, uh, whatever of that is not lost on me. P.P.S. I realize I forgot to put a joke in this email, which is unfortunate because I love jokes, especially love telling dad jokes. Sometimes even he even laughs. Okay. <laughs> I love dad jokes. <coughs> I hear a lot of dad jokes. Interesting question here. Um, I have a clarifying question first. Uh-huh. When can I just fail the role in this story? Did that mean 
I fail to lose, like, and I lose control and kill them? Yes. Okay. Well, I, I don't think so much lose c- control, but, like, but it was I, I, I can decide to kill him. Right. Well, well he, he, he said he would, he stated to the GM, I want to stick his head underwater for just a minute or three. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. probably wouldn't That wouldn't him. kill a person. Well, he's unconscious, so it might. Three minutes, it takes longer than three minutes to drown. What if you don't but know not to hold your breath and because you're unconscious? Yeah, if you that breathe in a whole bunch of water, other then problems, you can't. but it doesn't necessarily. That might fill your lungs up pretty quick. Yeah, well, uh, like like strangling someone takes six to seven minutes. Really? Yeah. I watched a whole you, special on it. I'm you watch a lot of uh, true crime, you don't you? <laughs> you know, like 99% of the audience for true crime are women. Yeah. We're, we six minutes is a long time if someone's fighting you. Right. Well, wrestling they, matches they, are three minutes, and they they're start, fucking exhausted. They start slowing down after. I mean, yeah. I haven't done it. Yes, right. you have. You put me in a chokehold. Don't you remember? It's fair. You put me in a chokehold. Yeah. Well, and I was like, <laughs> right away. Okay, I tap out. But it's not like, like to actually like kill a person like like dead, dead. Um, especially if they're fighting you. Okay. Like but, but, but I think it's because you said the guy was unconscious, right? Yeah, yeah. No, the person was yeah. unconscious, but. Three minutes, like, would would definitely put them in the hospital, but it wouldn't necessarily. They wouldn't be dead. Dead. They might die afterwards from having water in their lungs or something. But that's okay. A little different. All right. I was a lifeguard. Sorry, I there, took a lot of classes. But on if that. you're unconscious, you don't know not, to not breathe. You're like as soon. As, <gasps> it, it doesn't really matter. He was anyway, intending yeah. to kill him. He was, yes. No, he No, he, he wasn't. Didn't want to kill him. He, he originally he originally to, stated. Yeah. One to th- I'm going to hold his hand underwater for one to three minutes. Yeah. And the GM. I think very rightfully said, make a composure roll yeah. to see if you can keep control or right. to kill him. And so, then he's like, but I want to kill him. And what the player said right. is, I wish to kill him. Right. And I think he once the GM asked for the composure roll, he's like, oh yeah. Can I just fail that roll? I think it was more of an epiphany on the player's part. Yeah. At least it seems to me. Right. But I, I, And that's the, the crux of the problem. Like right. As a GM, we're mm-hmm. like, can I just fail that roll? It's like, well, yeah, I mean, if you want to kill him, like if that's what you're Character really wants in this moment, and I think that being yeah. like being that your character is a hothead and impulsive. I mean, I know nothing about that, and that's a and, and, and <laughs> nothing. There's nothing about that. I think the the player wanted the character to have to not want to lose control, but as a player, they wanted them to to lose control. So they were trying to like I don't want to use this term necessarily meta it, but it's sort of like on that where they're like they wanted it to be an accident yes, for the yes, character, right. but, but as a player, yeah, but yeah. as a player they wanted to do it on purpose. They're I, probably looking f- at a future right. time saying, "Oh, I ended up killing that guy and I didn't mean to." He wanted to kill him and not have his yeah. character mean to, and, kill and yeah. then have that. Oh my god, I killed somebody yeah. like because Certainly. I was so mad. Yeah. I should maybe take some classes and or read a book. Read a book and <laughs> figure this shit out about myself, right. which is a really great like character yeah. moment. Um, I as a GM, I don't think I'd call for a composer check to begin with, but if I did and somebody says, uh, "Can I just not?" I think that'd be right. fine. Like, the- I happen to be reading, rereading, because I'm re, 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 rereading all of the Call of Cthulhu rules since I'm running it in a couple days. Yeah. <coughs> One of the things that happens is uh, you make your sanity check when you see something horrible, and then you, if you fail it, you you roll a s- to certain get, take a certain number of sanity. Mm-hmm. If you take over a certain number of sanity, I think it's five points. You have to then make an intelligence check. Mm-hmm. If you fail that intelligence check. Your brain sort of explains away the horrible thing you saw, 
and you you don't lose any more sanity. Yeah. If you make that intelligence check, you fully understand the significance of what you've seen, and you take more sanity mm-hmm. loss. Mm-hmm. So that's a very interesting point where, in, in in a lot of games, where you have a very definitive thing that happens when you succeed or when you fail. Mm-hmm. In a situation like that, I would not let the player oh. choose. Right. Because well. in metagame terms, it'd be better to fail that role because you won't lose any more sanity points. But even so, that's kind of how good is your brain about doing this and and whether it succeeds or fails, it, we, the game wants you to leave that to chance and I kind of think you should. Well, and like, I mean, when you make a, a harm roll in PBTA, you can't choose to fail that roll. I mean, there are, are definitely certain situations and, and there are many where you should not be able, like, oh, uh, I'm going to uh, uh, choose not to fall off this cliff. Well, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to choose to not take harm damage because I fail that roll. I can't. I'm going to choose to fail the sanity roll so I don't take more sanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't. Right. But, like, I think what's happening here is more like, you know, there's a, a, a thing where, like, you can't control your emotions, but you can control what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? And so what's happening here is the GM is saying, <coughs> your emotions are forcing you to do something. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are, there are schools of, like, psychology and psychotherapy and stuff like that that are very against that concept. Right. Of, like, you can feel fucking angry as hell, but if you hit somebody... That is still a choice you have made. Your, your emotions do not force you to do anything, no matter how motherfucking angry you are. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you need to take responsibility for those actions, and you need to learn how to not do that when you feel those emotions. And so here, like, I'm really mad, and I want to, like, do this thing. And it's like, oh, composure check, because y- your, your emotions won't let you do that. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll feel bad. And it's like, no, I want to make the choice too. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a that is a very salient point. I think with mm-hmm. this type of argument. Right. Um, I mean, he wants to lose to make the story more interesting, not to quote unquote win. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and I, and that's like in moment of truth that yeah. the whole point of that is when you're making a role, when you choose to fail it, it's because it's going to be bad for yeah. you or bad for the party. Yeah. Or yeah. Killing him is objectively bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Just you're a high school student, like it doesn't end the world up. You objectively bad to murder somebody here. Mm-hmm. Sure, I agree. I don't know. I'm sort of stuck in the middle because I, as a player, have chosen to in different systems and things like that. I've had like when I was playing uh, different PBTA games and stuff like that, um, and when we were playing demigods a couple times, like I've had GMs be like. I will give you a thread, or I will give you a this if you fa- if you choose to fail your roll without rolling, mm-hmm. just because it will make the story more interesting. Right, and yeah. always it has <clears throat> the temptation, the temptation of mm-hmm. it, and you're like, you know what? Yeah, failing this roll would be much more interesting. Right, and I also roll terribly a lot, so I have a lot of times where I fail, and it makes the story better. Mm-hmm. So I'm always like a little excited when I fail something in a great moment, but I don't know. I feel like. I feel like in this situation, it's a little bit like, well, if you want, I don't know, it's like almost like having your cake and eating it too, a little bit with like, I mean, I, I wonder if the GM even should have asked for that role. Like, I, 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 I think the GM is saying, I know how to play your character better than you do. Yeah. like Kind of, yeah. And that is, that is I think, what is, what is sticking in my craw about this specific yeah. situation. I, I would like, 
I would like to know what happened prior to this and exactly how angry this character was and how right. possibly out of control well, he was. Well, it'd be hard. Because that, that may justify the GM saying, hey, you know what, you've been pretty you've been pretty pissed off in the last ten minutes. Why don't you mm-hmm. go ahead and make a composure roll and see, maybe you're going to accidentally kill him. Well, is it, yeah, this is... But they want thousands. that to happen. Like, like I, this guy blames, or this character blames this person for the deaths of thousands of people right. that they know. Right. Yeah. I think this is an instance where, as a GM, I would have been like, all right, you narrate to me what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, don't necessarily ask mm-hmm. for a role. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, all right, like, I'm going to, like, uh, she's going to mm-hmm. put, it, uh, the you know, this guy's head under the water and, like, almost bring it up. And then just think of, like, her friend who died and, like, shove his face back down. You know, yeah. that sort of thing. Right. It sounds almost like the GM, to me, like, wanted this per- character not to die. The, the NPC yeah. not to die because they have future plans for them. Um yeah. Oh, it could be. Yeah, that could be. Which, Although, then asking for a role is also putting that character at risk too. So I don't know. I mean, this is a situation where I, as a player, might where I'm like, I don't know. Let's see where the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Right. You know, because either way, this is going to be shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, I really disagree with the GM doing like some sort of Deus Ex Machina for a character that they want to do something. Mm-hmm. Once you put a, a NPC out there, like. They might die. Well, the the players get to do things to them, yeah. and he ga- like, but he gave him a he gave yeah, him a, he the gave dice him the, roll, the, the so. dice roll, and and it, see, I think I think what's really going on here is the player didn't necessarily want to kill him, mm-hmm. and the GM decided account because of the circumstances. I don't think that's that's a decision you have complete control over. So I'm going to ask the dice. About that That's decision, true. do you see what I'm saying? I knew what you're saying. And then the then the player's like, "Oh, wait a minute! It'd be kind of cool for the story if I killed him. Can I just fill that role?" And then the and GM's so- like, "Nah, I don't." At now that I've made that rule, I don't want to go back on it. Kind Maybe. of thing. So I think if the GM sinned, it's a very minor sin. Oh, I don't yeah, think it's. No. A, I don't oh, think it's yeah. a big deal. Um, I think well, that this could also be a really interesting storyline too. Now, because now sh- this character, she is responsible. For this monster not being dead, they had the chance to kill him and didn't. Didn't take it. So what are you going to say to the families of the next thousand people they kill? When your friends find (laughs) out that you spared their life, like what the hell is going to happen with that? I I can also see this kind of sticking in a player's craw, though. Oh sure, oh yeah. yeah. Like every time, like some bullshit happens with this guy, it's like I just want to fucking kill him. But what he should have said in the beginning is. I want to stick his head underwater. My character so. <laughs> doesn't intend to kill him, but I, as the player, am going to have him hold his head underwater the whole time. Yeah. And I think if he had stated it that way, yeah. which is basically saying, player, character wants to kill him, mm-hmm. or, or I, as the player, player want to kill mm-hmm. him, but the character's There's not. not. Mm-hmm. And or, when he's dead, the character will be upset. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it. And if he had stated that clearly up in front, and I'm wondering if he actually considered that I think when he was asked for the die roll, I think that's when that kind of popped into his head. Yeah. At least that's what it seems. Now, now the the thing at the end of where he's like, "Okay, make a dice roll, and no, you cannot fail it," is kind of weird to me. That um, might be just a joke. I can't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, that just. Oh, I don't you, know. you can't choose to fail. Yeah. It. Oh, yeah. Make a die roll. And by the way, you can't choose to fail it. Right. It's like, <clears throat> well, it sounds like this was a one-time thing, and I don't know. That's a little weird to me. Um, but maybe this is just an idiosyncrasy of the GM. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, he asked if he could fail it, and he said, "No, you can't." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because I mean, like, like th- now that's a very specific instance in Call of Cthulhu. But making that intelligence roll after you've lost sanity, 
No, you don't get to choose to fail that role. Because failing that role is actually better for your character in the short term, at least. I I love losing sanity in Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. It's awesome. I really, mean, that's shocking. <laughs> and the new uh, the new that's rules a are just yeah, right? great. The new rules are great for sanity. So excited! <clears throat> make a sorcerer every single goddamn time. <laughs> All right, so there you go. That's, yeah. that was a, that's you get kind of a mix. Yeah, you can't really say that uh, you're wrong or the GM's wrong. Yeah, and if there's a and if again if there's a sin here, it's a minor sin. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean yeah, it, it's it's. Yeah, if you holding do any- anger in your heart. Yeah. It's if, not if you do anything, murder. stink palm them. Don't like, you know, punch out his tires with your yeah. knife or something. Well, no, and no, I no. think I think there's also like there's amazing thing- ways to role play this too. Like like you didn't quite get what you expected from the buffet, but you got an equally cool buffet of awful things for your character. Right. Like the guilt, the 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 like pressure from other people who were like, you let that guy go, you you know, bitch, God, like. Right. Yeah. It's like you you're, thought you were going to a nice buffet and then you're suddenly at Golden Corral. Yeah. Like, oh, god damn it. I thought I was going to a smorgasbord with like right. actual like. Golden trots. But they still have mashed <laughs> potatoes and gravy. Yeah. And don't, biscuits. Don't have any of their Chinese food. No. <laughs> but biscuits and gravy. That's safe. Find out when they bring the food out and then go within 10 minutes of that. <laughs> don't go three hours later. <laughs> um, See, I think, I think there's actually more drama to be had from her, not from the. Character not killing the guy. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. It depends. It depends how bloodthirsty the victims of the dead mm-hmm. are. Sometimes, mm-hmm. though, like a player needs to not be frustrated, even yeah. though it's more dramatic. I, I agree. Like there is, there is definitely a balance. Like sometimes you can you can err way too much on the side of drama, mm-hmm. and yeah, things are happening, but a player might not be real happy, right. regardless. Mm-hmm. All right. Interesting. Good email. Yes, thank you for the email there. Corbin Twa. Twa Corbin. Twa Corbin. Who was a walk-in all-a-ling. PC versus player knowledge from Joe Crack. I love that song so much. I love it too. Hey, y'all. Excuse me. Joe Crack here, and I loved hearing the discussion. And like many dudes on the internet, I have an opinion. Shock and surprise. No way. Dudes and their opinions. Dudes on the internet have opinions? I didn't know. Sorry. Now, obviously, Stu and others have very strong opinions. On I almost said, "Well, you know, if you could work a computer." <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, Tappy. What did we explain more to you? That'll just make it. Clear. Let me break it down so you can understand. Okay. <laughs> now, obviously, Stu and the others have very strong opinions on this, and sure, it all comes down to personal pe- preference. But here's my feelings on it all. If we agree that RPGs are a story told collaboratively, then to me, the players are not only the co-authors, but also the audience. For me, I think about it best as a TV show, like a soap opera, because they always have fun, messy drama. So, in a show like that, the audience is aware that Gloria is engaged to Mark, but she's secretly in love with Maria, and that Mark has been blackmailing Riley. You're setting this up. This is like a very deep story here. Who has a gambling problem so that Riley will protect Mark so he can keep his uh, championship title? You stole this from the Guiding Light. Did it, really? No. Yeah. no, 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 this general hospital. I was going to be super impressed. Like, oh, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> well, my mother used to watch so Oh, okay. The audience knows this and looks forward when the characters find that out. So they can see the drama explode. The players also look forward to that so they can play out that messy explosion. 
Is there a chance that some could metagame to play towards that as quickly as possible? Sure, that's possible in any game. But hopefully it still happens naturally. And a GM can help drag drag these reveals out by peppering in other distractions along the way. And in a PBTA-style game, one of those things getting revealed is a great hard move. In one of my favorite PBTA games, Samurai World, every player has a secret love, and that is another player's character. You go around and describe your character, and then everyone writes down who they are secretly in love with. Then uh, play the play goes back around and everyone announces it, because the game thrives on putting you in scenes with your secret love, and having to deal with the drama that creates, and work with the mechanics around the secret love. It's player knowledge, but not character knowledge. In my experience, I've been lucky, and players only play to try and win over their secret love, and only try to sabotage others when they get confused and think another character is a rival. Uh, Will that happen 100% of the time? I can't say. But if you have a good group of players that are finding, uh, that are playing to find out rather than trying to play to win, it works wonderfully. The characters should totally trying to be trying to win though, because it's based on L5R. Anyway, feel free to wet your whistle. And that was from Joe Crack. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I think it comes down to why you're I, playing. I want to play that game. Sorry, I'm it comes down to well, why you're playing. It, so. First about that game, like Samurai World was one of the first hacks that came out for PBDA, mm-hmm. and I think they got hit uh, by uh, Fantasy Flight because th- it does not exist on the internet anymore anywhere. Oh, oh really? Um, and it is it is not like just kind of based on L5R. It's really based well, on well, L5R. No, hit by Fantasy Flight or AEG? I well, I don't know, but it's gone. Oh, really? like wow. I I got a copy of it way back in the day mm-hmm. um, when like before way before Second Edition came out mm. and. Now I was looking. I was like, ah, I think I deleted that. Let me see if I can get another copy of it. Um, because I, and uh, it's it's just I can't find it. Okay. So Joe um, Crack, if you have it, so you have it. Choice. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to run this. Um. Uh, so the the. I don't know. I I really like being surprised by things. That's that's my thing. Like. I find that it's it's really fun to have something be revealed instead of knowing it ahead of time. Yeah. I agree, but also, like... All right, when we were playing in Jib's Gene-X game, like, Mike and I's characters were exes. And it became very apparent in the first couple games that we were going to do, like, the reconciliation thing. Um, so that was kind of, like, <coughs> the trajectory for us. We both kind of knew that and talked about it out of game. But it was also really fucking fun to do the thing where you, like fuck it up every session like every almost every session it was like he would do something and like my character would get mad so oh I don't know it's like it can increase the kind of fun and drama about that because we both kind of knew that's where our characters were going to then like extend it out and instead of just like oh well if he like like if I hadn't known and then his character had just been like I miss you and we'd been like oh that's sweet and then like session three we'd gotten together it wouldn't have been quite as fun a storytelling as it was when we didn't get together to like the second to last or last episode because we kept finding fun ways to like fuck it up for each other. Well, I also think that doesn't necessarily have to be secret information. Like sure. both people, when you're, oh, I think I think they want to get back together with me. I kind of want to get back together. Oh wait, they're an asshole. Like yeah, that that one still makes sense as opposed to something like this where if somebody finds out your secret love that can be devastating to you true and so like it, or like in in any sort of like uh court setting or like a um, 
Yeah, Elfeimar is um, a very specific yeah. example. Um, uh, or like Game of Thrones, yeah. let's say. Like, when there are secrets and they are known, mm-hmm. like, people can act on them, and it's devastating. Mm-hmm. And we found that out when, like, some dude <laughs> who isn't used to this comes out and fucking tells everybody everything all the time. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, being surprised by that, I think, is important. Yeah. Like, like diplomacy, like we were talking about before. Like, I don't know that the Phoenix are going to backstab me. Mm-hmm. Right. They're my yeah. friends. They're, they're, they are pacifistic, just like I am. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, right. and just knowing that, yeah. you know, I can consciously, like, I'm going to, like, try and ignore that. Mm-hmm. But it still changes how you play. Schrodinger's metagame. Yeah, Schrodinger's yeah. metagame. See, I think it depends why you're playing and what your preferences are when you're playing. And I think there are people, mostly people who play PBTA games, Mm -hmm. who see playing role-playing games more like sitting around a writer's table. See, I... I really okay. It's so, more like that, though. It is. So it's like okay, everyone's on the same page. We all know who loves who and everything else. Mm-hmm. So let's sit and play play it to figure out how this resolves. So I disagree mm-hmm. because I love PBTA. Mm-hmm. I specifically love. I'm not saying that's world. a bad thing. No, I'm no, not no. saying it's a bad thing. I don't like story games. Okay, like things like uh, uh, I I keep on trying them because I want to see what they're about. But like I played like the skeleton game and stuff. It was uh, for uh, uh, small game hunters. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was it was all right, but it is not my jam. And right. that is you're just making shit up all the time. We yes. we mm-hmm. know at the end, like we are all going, all the skeletons will be destroyed. So we're just going to find <coughs> out what happens. Mm-hmm. I find that extremely unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. Right. And so fiasco, I find really unsatisfying. Ten candles, while fun, and there's a whole bunch of gimmick to it, mm-hmm. and you have a good time. I'm not really like super interested in playing that right. all the time. Right. But running or playing Apocalypse World, that's a role-playing game. That yeah. is not a story game. Sure. And I think that like talking about it like that does kind of disservice to it as an actual role-playing mm. game. Right, but, but it's more like that than like a game where the players are in the dark about other players' motives and everything else is going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm I like PBTA and like every single hack, some more than others, like there are secrets everybody knows because you do the connections at the beginning. Right. So it has that element of it. So I, I do agree. I think a lot of it does have to do with what game you're playing. Like but there are games that, like PBTA games, like those are mostly the ones I'm cool with, like having kind of secrets known because that's sort of the set default for the game in a lot of ways. Sometimes right. as you go, <laughs> things happen, and I don't always share a lot. Like I. Hundred percent. When I was playing demigods in the first campaign, like I played the trickster, so a lot of people knew my stuff at the beginning. But by like session three, fuck y'all, I'm not telling anything out loud. Here's a bunch of notes for the GM. Right. So I, I think it kind of depends on character, but definitely system two. But I don't know. You could do that kind of thing in any game. Yeah, it, and it's it's relatively minor. It, like, I mean, you're setting up how characters know each other, and people know how characters know each other. <coughs> okay. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Like there Dekuma. are. There are some games where the players will sit down, maybe more fate games not necessarily than PBTA games, where the players are going to sit down and figure out who the big bad guy is? Yes, that is more fate. That, okay. is, that is not a PBTA. There again, yeah. that's along like that. the same vein. It's like we're all going to sit down and figure out who the big bad is going to be. So it's never going to be a surprise. Yeah, I don't like right. that. And, and that is, again, like that's, that's something more, that I'm not as interested in. That's more like sitting around a writer's table. So yeah. there's, a, there's a, a, a writing theory, which is not a writing theory, some bullshit somebody wrote on the internet, About of writing. like, there are pantsers and there are planners. 
when it comes to writing. That's not, okay, that was actually very interesting. It was about George R. R. Martin. It was very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there are planners. They know what is going to happen. They plan what the entire uh, plot is going to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are GMs who do that. Like uh, John Wick is a motherfucking planner yeah. and a half. Right. Like he designed an entire game where the mechanic for getting better is to plan mm-hmm. your own like side stories. Yeah. Um, and then there are pantsers who are like, Oh, I this here's some shit that I do that, and I'm going to interact with other people in a certain way. Mm-hmm. But I have no idea where that's going to happen. Right? Mm-hmm. PBTA, where it's like play this, it's going to happen, is specifically a pantser kind of yeah. game, not a planner type of game. Okay. Whereas Fate is much more of a planner type of game. Yeah. Okay. And so that's what we're talking about here for a story game, where it's like at the end we are all going to die. But let me ask you this. If you if your dichotomy was pantser and planner, mm-hmm. and you put fate over here, would you put apocalypse world over here, or would you put apocalypse world over here somewhere? I think that depends on the GM. I because hundred yeah. percent. I am I am a fucking pantser when I run a game. Yeah, right. And and I run best the the systems that I like to run the most are ones that support that. Yeah. And my favorite system run is apocalypse world. Mm-hmm. I am running a fucking chronicles of darkness game. Pantsing it, yeah, and right. it is a nightmare. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I, it's fun, <laughs> I, and and I'm doing it well. But I've had to make up a whole bunch of different rules because I haven't like planned a whole like like and use the rules to make all these different enemies. Mm-hmm. They're just in a new place. Well, all right, you're in a new place. Let's go. See, mm-hmm. when I when I when I'm prepping a game, I'm definitely a planner because you are. I I I have figured out if the players do exactly what I anticipate they're going to do. <laughs> Sit down and cogitate on that for a second. <laughs> Uh, I probably have the next six or seven sessions planned. Mm-hmm. Realistically, I will have to come up with something for the second session. Yep. Right. Because <laughs> uh, that's just but the way But you like it having me in your games anyway. But, but, <laughs> but I have all this other stuff that may show up at some other point. Right. Or at some point, they may decide to go over to this town that I thought they were going to go to three sessions ago. And then mm. I've already got all this stuff. I know. feel like we're sitting very appropriately because we've got the planner to my left, which is Stu. We've got the pantser to my right, which is Tappy. And then, like, I'm right in the middle. Okay. Because I do kind of the same thing. Like, I plan out the world very carefully. Mm-hmm. But as they go through it, like, I don't have fucking clue well, what's going to happen. No, no, like, no. That I think that's pantsy. because <laughs> Because putting I love putting the world together. Right. And there are all these certain things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And Apocalypse World does that when you, you figure out all the threats. And you figure out what the threats are going to do. Mm-hmm. And, like, so if those threats are not dealt with, like... You know, if you, they don't deal with the fucking goblins or whatever. Well, they, the goblins have now moved up one, and they are now taking over the forest. Mm-hmm. And if they don't do anything about the forest, all right, then what? And now they've taken over, like, the mountain passes. And those have to be dealt with at some point. Yeah. But I'm not going to... That's not part of the plot. Right. Like, the plot is whatever the, the characters want to do. At some point, they may have to deal with the goblin horde that is coming to yeah. the town. Or they may be in another continent. See, I, I think you're describing know. how all three of us prep and run. I think all of it. Yeah. I was like, that sounds just like what Stu does. <laughs> no, but, but I don't I, have a plot. <laughs> like, I am plotless. Because, like, mm. right now my players well, are, I like, yeah. pursuing backstory. I can't have a plot. And I'm, that's cool. Oh. Like, See, I have no idea. I can't have a really plot because well. I don't know what players are going to do. Yeah. The plot is determined what players are going to do. Well, but you said you have the seven things planned. I have, I have, but what I have is seven locations. I feel like we all do. And I have, I have yeah. seven uh, telegrams written. Whether they'll get to that second telegram or not is not up to me. Yeah. I mean, they not, may not be. No one may know where they are. The telegram may not be able to get to them. And the real question is: now that I know about the ca- telegram, it's now Schrodinger's telegram. 
So Right. Did it really exist? <laughs> did it really exist? If right. I fuck up the storyline enough that we don't get it? Or will what I do make us get the telegram? Right. Because, no. I mean... <laughs> Sorry. I just totally derailed everything. But, I mean, like... And I've said this before. From a, from a player's position, I want to be in the dark. Yes, I want to be in the dark. I, I don't want to know everyone's secrets. I want to discover them as they happen and go, Oh my gosh, you're a vampire. I had right. no idea. I like so- yeah. yeah. I thought you just like sleeping in a in a coffin because you're kinky. <laughs> as, <laughs> or as, whatever. as a caveat, um, like we know one of the things <laughs> for Apocalypse World is the Skinner. And the Skinner has in their um, uh, history, if they want to do it, can be like, this person loves me. And this other person is my lover. Mm-hmm. But those are not necessarily secrets. Like, the Skinner is, like, th- the hottest ass, right? There's the baddest ass, yeah. that is the gun lugger, and the Skinner is the hottest ass around. Right. So if somebody's in love with, with them, everybody probably knows it. Right. And if somebody is their lover, everybody probably knows it. It doesn't necessarily have to be a secret. But people can decide their character's in love with them without saying anything. Mm-hmm. That uh, player can go up to somebody else and say, hey, do you want to be my secret lover? Sure, there's nothing that says any of those things have to be secrets. Okay. They're just things that if the player decides to, mm-hmm. they can choose that history and make that a public thing. Right. That's interesting. I think, kind of like reflecting on what you are saying and what I was saying earlier, I think there are times that I, as a person would rather know about the secrets. Like, I think I might be uncomfortable at the table if suddenly another character was declaring their love for my character, oh, and oh, I didn't know that. You would probably know that. Like, what I'm saying right. is, no, you're, no, no. you're working that out with the person who's playing the Skinner. Right, but I'm using that as an example of this, of, like, player knowledge, like, sharing and keeping secrets. Like, not mm-hmm. necessarily in just that system. But, like, like as someone who's often the only woman at the table, like, I'm lucky I play with people who are, like, my best friends all the time. Mm-hmm. But, like, especially if I'm playing with people I don't know as well or something like that, like, having someone suddenly being like, I'm in love with you, like, is, like, can be uncomfortable. Oh, and, sure. like, weird. So mm-hmm. I feel like those are the type of secrets that I would like for there to be some, like, hey, by the way. <laughs> yeah, just checking char- in. Yeah, j- like, out of character. So mm-hmm. it's, like, maybe that takes away some of the surprise, but that's kind of a good thing. Um, well, <laughs> well, there's other times where, like, it's like, oh, have you been, you know, you've been betraying us the whole time. Like, okay, that I don't care about. Like, well, that yeah, can be a. You're yeah, talking about more of a potential safety issue. Right. Something, or something that's just a little uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. Like, eh. Like, you just kind of get squiffed out by Yeah, it. it's like, okay, well, I'm going to play along with this, but now I'm uncomfortable, yeah. and now I don't know how to interact with you. So I think there's a, uh, there's a definite, and I hadn't really thought about that until what you were just talking about, Tabby. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's definitely levels of things that I want to know about ahead of time and things that I'm okay yeah. being surprised by. Right. Like, and, and that's definitely, again, like reading the table yeah. kind of thing, too. Yeah. Um, like, uh, with the, the group that I have, I've known them all for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very different than somebody you've known for even, like, Two years or something, right. yeah. like, or somebody just met at a con, or yeah. just met. At, don't do it at con, right? Yeah, <laughs> especially, especially don't do it to a woman at con, don't but do just don't do it at con. Um, yeah. Like anything like that, don't yeah. do it at con. And that's why lines and veils are really a great thing to start a game with. So I can, someone right up front can be like, when you're starting the game, hey, so I'm cool with romance as long as I kind of have a heads up and we fade to black instead of like talking about where you're touching me, like. So, <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's always a great safety tool to use. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> unfortunate yeah, the, but necessary example. The, the last Apocalypse World game that I ran, like everybody was nailing everybody except for one guy who just did a lot of heroin. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> he's nailing himself. Can you have? Is there can, one? There's a little left here. I, I would like a little. Okay. Uh, okay. Thank you very much. That's there, a good email. Very it nice. was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, portraying otherworldly beings from Stephen Sokol. Uh, Stephen Sokol. Hmm. Greetings, jovial masturbators. <laughs> well, <laughs> speaking of where you're touching me. Zwoons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I'm sorry, where I'm touching me for masturbation. Go ahead. <clears throat> and a happy Jack or Jill to each and every one of you fine folk. I shouldn't have done that. I apologize. <laughs> After that right there, I really shouldn't have done that. I was, mm, that was, I'm impulsive. <laughs> So is that and, uh, the new euphemism? You're a jacker or a jiller? Happy Jill. A happy Jill. <laughs> no, I don't think we need to gender Happy Jack. Um, and listening to the beginning of the Clockwise Court Ooh. and Wild Wild Talents, actual plays, for example, mm. I was wondering what thoughts you all had on portraying otherworldly beings in your games. That's a great email for this episode. Yeah. I, I'll likely focus most of my thoughts on portraying the Fae, but mm-hmm. similar thoughts can easily apply to angels, demons, devils, okay. gods, old ones, etc. Uh, what techniques do you find helpful in playing the roles of NPCs who are immortal and or have motivations, powers, and restrictions very unlike a typical PC or NPC? <coughs> For example, Kimmy's Person in White and Man in Grey or Stu's Queen Ocarina? Ocarina. 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 Uh, from the most recent Blood, Blade, and Tusk. Uh, I find that there's a lot of great potential with these kind of characters to create interesting interactions with the party. But it can also be a lot trickier than your typical guard or king or bartender, etc. What resources have you found useful in guiding your development of these characters? I.e., do you think reading Changing the Dreaming would be useful in developing fake characters in a D&D game or some such? I personally love the Dresden Files approach to the Fae and many other other otherworldly beings, uh, but I am always interested in other source material. Uh, similarly, what successes and challenges have you noticed in your gaming? I.e., having to be very careful with phrasing if you're playing a Fae who is mm-hmm. supernaturally incapable of lying, yeah. playing an angel who has certain limitations in their actions, playing a being who is theoretically omniscient, uh, trying to balance out the power level of a bean and what they are willing to do for the party without imbalancing the game. Yeah. Quote, sure, I can teach you Portalis. End quote. I love some of your examples of offering great power, but at great cost. You can have all the magics if you give me a few children. But have you ever had a bluff called and had it backfire? Alternatively, have you ever tried offering something that you thought was very powerful slash enticing, but the PCs felt was not remotely worth it? I could see such things generating ire if sacrifices are made, but the rewards feel trivial. As a backdrop to my question, I'm loosely plotting out a D&D campaign that involves a powerful devil, some powerful fae, and at least one dragon who are all basically using the mortals in the area as living chess pieces in a game played amongst themselves. Uh, they are unwilling to act directly against each other, but are willing to aid slash impede the party as it suits their need. Any thoughts on your inspirations and experiences with such beings of power would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Steven Suckle, the grimace so on the forum. Cal. When I have time to post. Yes. 
Yay. When for uh, Blood Blade and Tusk, that there's there's an economy for for um, debt with the Fae, mm-hmm. and it's like a mortgage. Mm-hmm. So what 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 may have happened? I'll tell you in the game that we played, Abria's character uh, met um, a member of a Fae court, uh, Queen Ocarine, and she offered to teach her certain components for spells that her instructor would it was not would would have thought she was not ready to learn yet because <clears throat> there's a hierarchy to the how you learn magic so she basically would have been a big shortcut for mm-hmm. her. and and her 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 um um uh what she wanted in return for it was a human infant mm-hmm. alive right um she was planning on, on transforming this human infant into one of her minions or something yeah, like that. Thing. But yeah. the thing is, she might sell off that debt to another fae mm-hmm. who may have a very different thing they're going to do with that infant. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and you have no... It's like, it's like when you take out a mortgage. I mean, one day Countrywide owns your mortgage and the next, and three days later it's owned by Bank of America or, or Chase. And mm-hmm. you, you have no control over who owns your debt. Yeah. And it, that's the way I, I worked it because, Smart. I mean, th- yes, this is what I intend to do when you get me the infant. But I'm just oh, I'm not I'm not lying to you. But I'm leaving out the fact that I might sell this debt to someone else because I may owe someone else something, and this is going to pay off my debts with them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, you can't just tell them everything you could possibly do. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. You asked me a very specific question. I gave you a very specific answer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the. You know, and and for me, that was sort of the the big conceit for the Fae is they are all so totally intertwined with each other, and their economy of 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 obligations to each other that it becomes almost impossible to predict what one of them is going to do in any specific situation because you don't know what favors they owe to other people <clears throat> and what opportunity might come up for them to repay a debt that they've had for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. So. In fact, one of the NPCs that's in the in the in the setting text is Morgana Le Fay, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and at some point, uh, she was the apprentice of Merlin. Pro- figuring probably like late Roman Empire, and uh, she, against his advice, got more involved with the Fay, and is now so entwined in in this obligation economy that she's now acting like a fae because mm. she's got so much debt and owes people so much stuff that you cannot predict what she's going to do. Right. <clears throat> right. So it's it's in the name. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> um, I think one of the things, and you kind of touched on it on the e- in the email, is having them influence the game but not m- like make things improportional. So you brought up the examples of my person in white and the man in gray. And for those of you you who don't know, person in white is basically an angel. The man in gray is basically the devil in my game. So they are both in this town. And the way I balance it out is basically they have to stay balanced. Is like the forces of good and the forces of evil. So whenever the devil helps someone, the angel is allowed to help someone too. And whenever the angel helps someone, then that gives the devil leeway to help someone as well. So... So that angel can help someone. The angel can do whatever they want, but yeah. there's going to be a proportionate a price to okay. pay on the other Got end. It. 
So uh, it's kind of created a cool, interesting dynamic where the players sometimes go to the angel and sometimes go to the devil to try and do things knowing that like something else is going to happen on the other side. So they have to think really carefully about that. Um, but that limits their, you know, the angel's like, I can help you with this, but I have, but the devil will be able to proportionally help the people who you're going against the same amount. So you can ask for that, but know that there's going to be price to pay on the other end. So they're like, cause the scales have to be balanced. Um, so that's a, an interesting way. Cause the, the players are now terrified of asking now, for either thing. Now, if, is there a point where where the the man in white, uh, person in white, person in white? Yeah, because they're uh, they're androgynous. Yeah. Okay. So if the is there a point where the person in white because they're an angel and they're quote unquote good will say, I'm not doing that. Yeah, absolutely. If okay. they ever ask for anything, they haven't asked for anything from them yet that would cause that. Okay. Um, Has the man in gray ever offered them something? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them has lost their soul to the man in gray yeah. previously. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a whole, like, power structure. It's very interesting. Because um, if it was the man in, in black, it would be Johnny Cash. Right. right. Well, yeah. Which would be amazing. Yeah. Which right. is so good. <laughs> like, I mean, you put Johnny Cash in your game now. <laughs> I know. Come on, it's Wild West. It is Wild West. <laughs> and both sides are fighting to have him in their afterlife. Yeah, right, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Great content. Because everybody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> and he could go either way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, finding a reason before you introduce these ultra powerful characters about why they can't just do whatever for the, the players. Um, and and whether that's keeping balance, whether that's you know magical limitations, whatever you come up with, making sure those restraints are in place before the party or, meets them. or debt accrual or debt, yeah, whatever mm-hmm. it is, like a reason that the players aren't just gonna be like, yeah, do everything for us, right. like go kill the bad guy, like you you have to have reasons that there's a limit on there. Um, so and that's that, really important. That happened in the old in the old Eldamy game we yeah. ran because you guys had you guys had the there was a mage who was sort of an advisor to the duke mm-hmm. and you guys were constantly going to this guy. Sure. We need help. We need questions. We have we don't understand. Please we tell need us to, what to do. And, and yeah, they basically he was like the guy with the exclamation point over his head. Yeah. And they would, as soon as they came back into town, they'd right. run, hey. up to, run up to the fountain hey, where Rochelle. he's standing. And, <laughs> and, and so back. eventually, I just had to eliminate him. And Stay I had a while to, and listen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I had to have I had to have him kidnapped. Yeah. And then just, now you guys got to rescue him. Yeah. And boy, were they motivated to rescue him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think another interesting thing is find things that are that make them stand out or make them different. Mm-hmm. So in my game, the person in white and the man in gray, um, they're dressed as human and they appear human. Um, but like the person in white, it's always perfectly clean and it's mm-hmm. the Wild West. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's weird little things, like weird little details to make them just stand apart. And when they first were there, like most people didn't notice the person in white except the r- one character in the game who's um, Catholic and very religious. And they like immediately noticed. The fucking dice did that themselves. Like they rolled and it just happened to be the Catholic cl- character who was like, oh! So that was right. like magical. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but like, like finding small little details, um, like... In our mode of sin game, mm-hmm. when you were having the Fae write up the contract for Adrian, and like Adrian couldn't control herself, and like the Fae blood smelled so good that she just had to like eat the whole contract, <laughs> and I failed my role. Like that's, those are like amazing little details that just like terrify the shit out of the players because if I can't even not eat the contract because her blood smells so good, right? right there's like you know, a, a, yeah. A, a what the fuck am I? Two thousandth of a gram of blood. Yeah, on yeah like. What the fuck am I going to do as a character, like against this this you right. know, being? Right. Or if like, one of them gets oh. injured, right? Yeah. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> like licking the floor. <laughs> so 
And well, and I think that's that's the thing with otherworldly beings is they need to be otherworldly. They yeah. need to not make sense with the rules of our reality. Mm-hmm. They m- make sense with their own rules. Right. And figuring out those rules is part of how the players make sense of them and deal with them. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I think in some cases because I've been reading the seventh edition Call of Cthulhu rules. Really. One of the one of the things that they suggest in there is. You're going, to, you're going to have a lot of these beings do a lot of things that just don't make sense. Mm. And the players are going to be butting their heads against a wall, trying to figure out what rules they are governed under mm-hmm. or, or what rules apply to yeah. these disparate things mm-hmm. that they're doing. And it may be something that's just totally incomprehensible to a human mind right. in that case. Mm-hmm. So in a lot of cases, they say for the GM... Don't worry about the the sort of background logic of why they're acting this way now and then they're acting this way later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your brain can't understand mm-hmm. it, more, mere human GM. Yeah. And, and that's why in in the Autumn People, yeah. and there might be some spoilers here because I talk too much, uh, nobody chose a changeling character. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to make the Fae the thing that they're dealing with because that is out of the realm of them. Like oh, They don't know go. what's going on. Yeah. And and I get to be like really weird and have them like ask all these sorts of questions and the only answers that are available are from other Fey. And the Fey are the others mm-hmm. or the gentry, which are supremely, insanely powerful, like they've never been human kind of things, as opposed to changelings who are humans that are stolen as children. Yeah. Right. And then used by the these Fey to like gain power from them by having them go through dreams, mm-hmm. which are usually not fun ones. No. Right. Um, and so, like, the the players are, are f- finding out, like, how this sort of, like, uh, human economy works with them and trying to figure out what to do about it. And I had gave them a whole group of people that wanted to do something about it, and they did something about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really great. Um, <laughs> but I... So now I have all of these... These uh, uh, these others, these Fey, that they have kind of reasons they do things, but it's it's all sideways, mm-hmm. you know. Like the the <coughs> names of them, like there's one I totally stole this from Exalted because it's a great name. <laughs> it's the Princess Magnificent with lips of coral and cloak of black feathers. <gasps> I like that. That is the name of the Fey. And what do they do? Well, some spooky ass shit. Right. Um, Fair fun. But uh, what decisions they're going to make are going to come at you like sideways. And the characters are now have now decided that they're going to do something about those fae. Oh. And so it's it's. I did not expect this. Right. <laughs> Being pantsers. Um, yeah. But like, yeah. I mean, just come at come at it sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, but also have. I think you need a sort of internal consistency with them. Yes. Um, but you don't have to come up with exact reasons for everything because right. the internal consistency could be their fay. Mm-hmm. Right. So there you go. Yeah. And in Call of Cthulhu, you have even more latitude. Yeah. It's like they're elder gods. Yeah. yeah. They were around when you were a piece of slime in the primordial soup. <laughs> if you could understand why they did this, you'd be a raving madman trying to kill us all with an axe. Right. Yeah. But I think it is important, like you were just saying, Tappy, like to have consistency. Like these are the type of characters. Like even if you're a pantser, like Tappy and me and Stu, because basically it's all the same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Internal consistency is, yeah, I mean, these characters have reasons why they do things. Yeah, and and these are really important characters to plan. Like, to, to know what are their limitations going to be. Even if you don't plan, like, exactly what they're going to say and exactly what the story's going to be, you need to already know what their limitations in the world are, what their motivations are, and especially with things like the Fae, because mm-hmm. um, I've got Fae in my game, too, and it's super crazy. Like, they are very changeable, but they have to have the same, like, not laws of physics, but laws mm, of right. behavior. Right. Like, Princess Magnificent is always going to be a Princess Magnificent. Right. And, 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 like, the way she's dealing with people should kind of stay consistent. Um, like, like what she's willing to give, what she's willing to take, uh, should be on, you know, kind of the same level, always. Or, I mean, it can change a little bit, but, um, mm-hmm. but it's suddenly the Fae isn't going to be like, here's an atom bomb. Like, yeah. maybe, maybe they are. But. Or you have a, a Fae that's all, like, cold shoulder, cold base kind of thing, and then mm. they bring out a flamethrower. Yeah, like... like right. That's okay, that's a little weird. Yeah. You and can instead, like, have jelly gasoline and thrown that on them, and then had a cigarette and throw and drop that on it, and that would be more kind of right. thing, don't do a flamethrower. Yeah, and their interest in, in interacting with the party. Like, hey, I want something from you. Like, there's a price for it. Not just, hey, you're nice, here's the thing. Right. Like, whatever like, like whatever those things are with whatever your otherworldly <laughs> being is needs to stay consistent. No, no, no. Oh, you can, you can just give them a thing and have them wonder what the price is. <laughs> right. Well, yes. But, or but, find out later what the price is. But was. that can only work if they already are aware that there's probably going to be a price. Well, that, depending, <laughs> depending on how the fae work. Yeah, that's true. I mean... No. He's mentioned he's, he's got a and d campaign and like there's like a fae and a devil and at least one dragon and they're using mortals as chess pieces. That sounds mm. dope. That, that sounds amazing. That were in the Eldemy game I ran yes. and I don't think the players ever figured any of this out but they got a lot of clues about it. Uh-huh. We're dumb. The the the, the, the Duke of Eldemy that, uh-huh. that he was what, like the 14th yeah. of his line or something mm-hmm. had always consistently been the same gold dragon. <gasps> that had transformed what? into a human. What? The entire time. What? He basically decided to make himself the protectorate of, of the civilization. <laughs> and what? near the near the end you started some of you started having dreams that yeah. where there was a dragon dying. I can't believe you haven't said this before now. <laughs> and this is how I find out, you tell me? Like, years later. Not even like, oh, like a couple weeks after the campaign. Like, fucking years, years later. Oh, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> she got to the Duke for answers. God damn it. You only, I think you guys only met the Duke like once or twice ever. Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. Especially once it. we became, like, once we did the orc game. Like, then we definitely didn't get to hang out right. in Brampton. But, I mean, even bird staff didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, super, super amazing. secret shit. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you to eventually give up and run Eldemy again now, because I know a thing. Right. <laughs> so, going back to the email Both. about player versus... Yeah, see, <laughs> how awesome is that reveal? <laughs> if we knew he was a gold dragon... Right. Like, we just might have just been playing the game, and you guys are like, whoa! whoa! And, and we might have been, like, just unconscious kind of pushing to see the Duke more. I want to see the Duke. I want right. to talk to the Duke. I want to talk to the Duke more. Just kind of like, I want to know what the Duke thinks of this. Right. Yeah. Well, no, I'm his advisor. No, 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 I want to talk to the Duke. <laughs> oh, my God. Because I remember you guys were like, like you guys had a dream, and you're all very concerned because this dragon is dying. Yeah. And you were seeing something in the future. And, and someone even at the table even said, why are we concerned about a dragon dying? <laughs> and at some point, you guys would would have figured it out and realized that this guy, this this dragon, had been protecting. Now you have to run that campaign where after the dragon dies, and we're all like, 
Oh, oh shit! shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, that's oh also why red herrings are so effective. Is if you tell somebody something that they think is is true because the the GM said it. Right. You know, just like oh, he's a gold dragon. Oh my god, he's a gold dragon, and they like yeah. go with they will go with that as truth, even right. if it wasn't. Um, and so like. Yeah, because I think his 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 like um, personal guard was called like the Dragon's Breath or something like oh, that. Oh, but we thought that was supposed to just be like cool right, right. And, and scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! There were a lot of there weren't obvious ob, there weren't obvious clues obviously, but there were a lot of little clues hidden around because his his crest was a dragon head. <laughs> I have oh, I yeah. have I have such a difficulty keeping secrets that way, and. Like for that long, and I—that's something I decided first thing. I'm like, I'm gonna. This empire is actually being run by a gold dragon who transmorphs into a human, and and then he lives out that human's life and ages <gasps> them, and then because he, yeah, yeah, and and then plays his own heir, right, <gasps> and then has a kid, kills them, and <laughs> and then becomes their own heir, right, <laughs> easy peasy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All you have to do is steal a child and transmorph it into your thing. Right. And then that kid grows up as your heir, and then you murder them and take their place. Yep. That's totally a good thing to do. It's a gold dragon. Right. <laughs> Stu wins gaming. I'm sorry. Never, also, never do a deal with the dragon. I'm done. Yeah, never <laughs> dragon. Well, I specifically picked a gold dragon, because they're yeah, supposed to be, like, lawful good. And yeah. They're pretty. Yeah. And yeah, no, that's... Like, the idea of, like, the players get to choose which, like group they want to be with. Like, they don't know it's the Fae, but... Like, they're doing these sorts of things, the devil's doing these sorts of things, the dragon's doing... Like, the dragon might be lawful and be like, no, I am stamping out corruption. Yeah. So it looks like they're fucking killing a bunch of people. Right. Especially the rogue in the party fucking hates that guy. Whereas, (laughs) whereas the, the devil... Is like, hey man, it's like party time. Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's corruption, but what are I mean, you using your we, soul for the, anyway. The best way to control crime is to organize it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you're just protecting, like, the the uh, consistency and the lives of the people around you. So yeah. then they give up their soul, and then suddenly they realize soul is where the magic comes from. And oh, they can't do magic now because they don't own their soul anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do and, that. And the phase are like. <laughs> <laughs> the fae in my game are literally giving a girl powers because she keeps giving them her freckles. Like, yeah, see, I'll, I'll try. <laughs> most random. The, the fae are like David Bowie, so yeah. I'm on that. I'm on that team. Yeah. The, the, the one, one, one of the things in the in the Call of Cthulhu game that I'm I'm kind of leaning towards. No. No, I, I can say this is a couple of years is um, the the party's not going to see a lot of alien stuff. Mm-hmm. What they're going to see is cultists. Mm-hmm. Cultists are humans. They're going to be a little more, not necessarily predictable, but the party will be able to reason out why they're doing what they're doing, probably. Right, right, because they're because they have with similar brains. Yeah. So I mean, I'm kind of leaning more towards cultists than I am towards yeah. deep ones and spot, star spawn of Cthulhu and yeah. stuff like that. And I, I think there are more cultists who think that the Elder Gods will give them power than there are cultists who know that they just want to be eaten first because right. mm-hmm. the Elder Gods are coming no matter what. Right. Well, they've revised some of that in the 7th edition book. Oh, they have? There are, there, are some, there are some cultists who will not devour their worshippers. Oh, there, some Elder Gods? Some, yeah, well, yeah, some Elder yeah. Gods will not. And it specifically says, generally doesn't... doesn't right. 
devour their worshippers. Do you remember the, the, the damage for when Cthulhu shows up and grabs a player and throws it in? Oh, that stuff is still mouth. astronomical. It's still astronomical. <laughs> and it's even more so now because because now all of your stats, instead of being like, like what, some roughly between 3 through 18, mm. it's now, you use percentile dice when you're making stat rolls now. So you roll the stat and multiply it by 5. Mm-hmm. So it so you can you can roll it within a percentile within a d100. Mm-hmm. So like Cthulhu probably had a, a strength of 105 or 110 in the earlier versions. Now it's 600 because <laughs> he needs to have a damage bonus of yeah. 30 d6. That's insane. And 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 some it is, ha ha, it's insane. Right. Ah. And some and some of them, it's like they show up, and as soon as they show up, everyone just takes an enormous amount of damage <laughs> and sanity. If you get the chance to make the sanity roll, right, which you probably won't. Yeah. Because you have, I don't know, a, a lot of hit points in Call of Cthulhu now mm-hmm. is like eleven, right? So I uh, I was recently on uh, our Lovecraft for some Cthulhu reason I forget what it was, and there are a bunch of people who are like non-Euclidean geometry means unfathomable by human minds, right? And I thought that was hilarious because non-Euclidean geometry is just geometry it's, that's not on a plane, right? right? It, it's on a sphere, it's on a sphere or something yeah, else, yeah. right? <laughs> like, oh, you writers. <laughs> so, should I spoil the song I played for you guys as the closing song? Uh, yeah. But first, I want to thank okay. Stephen Sokal so much for that email. Oh, yes. Yeah, because that was good if one. you hadn't read that email, like, Stu might have gone to his grave. Fucking <laughs> oh, yeah. Never fucking he just, letting us know what happened. I, I assume you just keep on forgetting to say, say what it was. Never even occurred to me to mention it until I read that. Literally years, like years, that, like ten. Well, well the original that original like, game we was started it before 10? we started the podcast. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was like eleven years ago. Wow. Yeah. No, it was like ten, ten years. No, ago. August is the anniversary, ten year anniversary. But we, star- of the podcast. we started playing it in that spring. Is when we started playing. Right. It's not spring anymore. So August, uh, but was, ten years ago, is when the podcast years, started. Right? Ten, ten years and a few months. Oh, you're, you know what? You're right. You're right. It is. You're right. Because I keep, I keep thinking we're, we're in our ninth year. We're actually in our tenth year. Yes. Yeah. We, in August, right. we are hitting our ten-year anniversary. Right. Got it. So, yeah, I, I don't know if I ever would have mentioned it if I had run. Right. <laughs> Steve, you have solved one of the great mysteries of the universe. Thank you. Thank <laughs> See, you. That's what I love about just, like, creating backstory. <laughs> it's, it's Researching for a game is yeah. one of my favorite things in the world. I just fucking love it. Oh, I, it, it's the best. Yeah, okay, the best. stall for a second while I okay. load yes. up Dropbox to get this on. <laughs> like reading about the Carpathia yeah. and when it was actually there and how right. far it was away and yeah. how many knots they would have to go faster in order to get there in time to do something. <laughs> and then having a player do that yeah. so they actually managed to get there right. before everything was dead. Yeah. Okay, it hasn't been as long as I thought it was, but we finished the last Eldemy campaign uh, February of 2016. Okay, but that was the orc one that was with the, the orcs second one. Right, yeah. but that's—I mean—that's still like three years for you keeping a secret. Is a you're not great at secrets. But I figure that the, the gold dragon was dead by then. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Because he was going to die within with, during the that oh, the campaign. First campaign. Yeah. Oh, I thought you mm-hmm. meant like the through the through line of both yeah. campaigns. Wow. Now I want to run that campaign. <laughs> it's so good. Now you know the ending. I can't run it now. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's, see, that's why I can. You, know, you can run it, yeah. But you can you can run it after like starting with the gold dragon's death because we already know that'd be a super fascinating thing. What is the political fallout of finding out that your leader is not actually human? 
Oh, that's true. Like, oh, God damn it! I wish we had another gold dragon leading us. <laughs> that, that guy was really good. <laughs> oh no, orcs! Boy, I wish we had a gold dragon on our goddamn side. Orcs are great. Orcs are great. They're orcs, smart. Orcs are great. However, they are great at killing people when you are not orc. Yeah. Well, we, the, in the second campaign, oh, the orcs were like part of Eldamy. It was very complicated. Oh, okay. This all needs to go away. All of the conversation about your game? No, that oh. all this stuff is popping up on your computer. Yeah, because oh, no. I because I, I logged into Dropbox. Oh, that was dumb for the song. Yeah, that was. Dumb. Uh. Is it going to give me a player of it? It's giving me a player. And the, James V in the chat room says Kimmy is always right, and Stu should know by now. <laughs> Thank you, James V. <laughs> all right, suck up. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> ten years. <laughs> and other doc says, "Other doc says ten years. Damn, I feel old. How do you think we feel? Yeah, like, you've literally wa- like been there for us aging. All right. Mm-hmm. So I was I'm listening a- to our Go- Ghostbusters game the other day and the first L five R campaign, and I'm just like listening to my voice. I'm like, I sound like I'm five. <laughs> <laughs> I sound so young. And I sound fifty. <laughs> <laughs> and now you sound fifty. And, and, yeah. <laughs> Now I sound 52. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to play this. Now, now this, is, this is a song that would totally spoil the, the, the vibe of a Call of Cthulhu game that's supposed to be yeah, serious. serious yeah. And we're going to get dinged for, for, for copyright. It's so fine, it's worth it. Th- there's going to be all kinds of pre-rolls on this yeah. video at some point. The Cthulhu game will actually be a serious like, yeah. like drama campaign. But So don't let this... Like this is not the the feel of the campaign, but it's amazing. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure I got the volume up. Yeah, it's so good. The ones. It's really worth it. It's very fun. Oh no, that's the wrong song. Hold oh, on. No. <laughs> that's the one I played last week. Hold on. Derp. This is your song. How can you not know the chords? <laughs> I'll find it. Give me a second. <laughs> We've all had those moments. Except you, you're a drummer. So. <laughs> no, that's from the uh, first Poxy Boggart album. I know. All right, all right. I found it. I found it. But I've had those moments too. Yeah. Like, say along. Oh, and I, I lit- don't remember the words. I wrote them. I literally came up with the idea for this song on my drive home today. <laughs> and between the time that I got home and we started the podcast, I recorded it. Yeah, you should be annoyed at Stu's amazing. Although I, I cheated and used kar- a karaoke version. That's fine. Oh, God. <laughs> I see what's happening here You're face to face with strangers And it's strange You don't even know how you feel It's understandable It's nice to know that humans are deranged Open your eyes Let's begin Yes, it's really me It's Haster, take it in I know it's a lot The pus, the pods when you're staring at another god What can I say except you're crazy For the unspeakableness that is I Hey, it's okay, it's okay, you're crazy I'm just an ordinary other guy Back on Carcosa, I wipe them away For not praying on a Haster day Who made all the barren star to glow Hey you're looking at him, yo! And that yellow king you spy, it's really just me in disguise. I taught the vultures to fly, and installed in them a hyperdrive. 